0: we're going to try this one time and one time only and if it doesn't work and the program faults i'm done i'm getting out of the broadcast business i'm going to go back into law enforcement hi yeah okay what do we got same thing we had last night it's just 24 hours later, dozens of feds, FBI agents, state operatives who infiltrated the Trump crowds on January 6th, and we've got the proof. That's what stopped us last night. We'll see if it happens tonight. Uh, Digital blackface? Oh, come on, CNN. And a new study shows that the pre-vaccine COVID infection fatality rate was actually even lower than everybody thought. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Hey, it's a weird night, isn't it? Yes, I know. It's it's like, what, Tuesday? We're normally on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturdays. But because last night was a complete cluster, I thought, well, let's just do it tonight. Why not? I got nothing better going on. So we'll fire up the machine and see if it'll all fault. I actually think I figured it out. I'm not going to get the whole technical geeky guru thing on you but notepad on windows is now completely different a simple little stupid program like notepad i know right but windows had to muck around like they always do can't leave good enough alone and so now notepad which if you're a windows user you know it's just a simple place you make notes i use it all the time they've turned it into like a browser you can open text files in tabs. And the resources on this thing is incredible. You would not believe the kind of resources they use. And I believe, now I've gotten rid of it, and I, everything else seems to be working. I did a few tweaks on my browser. I think it was that idiot Notepad update, so I've deleted it. It's gone, never to come back. Windows, stop screwing with stuff. Seriously, really. All right. Let us see if we can get through this. It's a Miko update. Yes! Our favorite little furry friend, Miko. And there she is. This is another picture from the MKA Dog Show. But when I saw this picture, I thought this was actually posted by the Malaysian Kennel Association on their Facebook page. This is Miko. That is one of the best photographs it's just it's got that you know that focus pull going on and uh depth of field and it's just an absolutely brilliant shot of her so i thought i would share that while i let you know that miko's doing great she's had a great day she got a good walk we actually were doing some experimenting with barf food it's the raw dog food i i don't know i researched about it there's a lot of cheerleaders for it there's a lot of people who say don't do it there's a lot of vets who say it's not that good um it's about the same price as what we spend on wet food in a can and kibbles but in the end we decided that we're not going to make the switch so we're just going to stick with uh stick with what we've got but anyway she's doing really well she's uh he's having a ball part of the uh the sponsorship for the malaysian kennel association dog show that miko went into uh and won a ribbon by the way um was sponsored by a barf food uh coco and joe's or joe and coco something like that it's a local malaysian distributor and they gave out free samples which was really nice she loves the bar food she really does she'll eat it right down but mm, eh, we just you know if you do you Yeah, whatever you think is good for your dog. We just decided to stick with uh, what we've got. She's got some really wacko intestinal problems anyway. So uh, we're going to we're going to hang out and stick with the uh, with the normal stuff. Hey, you know what? I'm not on YouTube tonight, by the way. We're on Rumble, Twitch.tv and Facebook. For some reason, YouTube is not streaming. I don't know why. I'll upload the video afterwards. We don't get a big audience over on YouTube, so I'm really not all that concerned about it. But uh, for some reason, we ain't on YouTube. So you know what I'm going to do? I am going to close this tab and save my resources because I really don't want to have another crash tonight. that's about the last thing i want to deal with after last night thank you very much hey we got a new sponsor tonight for the show by the way it's nordvpn yeah you get nordvpn today and stop them from spying on everything you do you keep your online activity hidden with the best vpn service nordvpn keeps no logs encrypts all of your traffic your data stays safe it stays private And if you use our special link, which is down there in the show notes, you will get 63% off NordVPN and three extra months free. Nice deal, huh? Yo-ho-ho. You just got to use that link. I know the link looks a little wonky, but it's how they track things. And uh, use that link and they'll get you that special deal. Uh, Cool. So welcome to NordVPN. Thank you so much for helping to sponsor the show. We really appreciate that. All righty then, the Gateway Pundit, whom I read almost every day because they do some absolutely incredible reporting and they've done more. And this is the story we were trying to share with you last night. 20 confirmed incidents and operations, dozens of feds, FBI agents and state operatives who infiltrated the Trump crowds on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol and led the protests. Now, because there's so many ads on this Gateway Pundit site, you just have to deal with it visually. But uh, below is an ever-expanding list of government operatives. The Gateway Pundit and others have identified working inside the massive Trump crowd at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 2021, of course, the uh, Gateway Pundit continues to add to the list as they learn more about the planned and choreographed fedsurrection. Incident 1. The FBI infiltrated the Proud Boys and their informant exonerated the Proud Boys of any conspiracy. In uh, July 2022, the Gateway Pundit contributor Kara Castronova released whistleblower documents, text messages, and audio transcripts of FBI informant James Knowles' communications with his FBI handlers on January 6th. The evidence exonerates Trump supporters and the Proud Boys of any, any conspiracy or planning to storm the U.S. Capitol, to enter the U.S. Capitol, or to overthrow any official proceedings. It did not happen, as we all know, and now we have the proof. The FBI had the evidence. There was no conspiracy, no plans made by the Proud Boys and others to invade or take control of the Capitol. They ignored that information from their own operatives, by the way. These are their own people when they just chose to ignore it and ran with the lies about an insurrection. The FBI recruiting men and women to infiltrate the crowds and work as operatives prior to January 6th. Unbelievable. Thursday afternoon, September 30th, way before January 6th, the FBI raided Jerry Brown's home and arrested Jeremy, charges trespassing. Uh, FBI sent 20 vehicles to arrest him. DHS, Pinellas County Law Enforcement, also present. FBI was in Jeremy's home for five and a half hours looking for evidence. Searched his house, RV, trailer, arrested Jeremy, took him away, and Jeremy's uh, family contacted the Gateway Pundit the next morning. He's a uh, Green Beret, former Republican candidate for Congress in Florida's 14th District. Served the U.S. Army, from 92 to 2012, reached the rank of Special Forces Master Sergeant. His actual crime? Refusing to be an FBI informant, as this article lays out. It goes on and on and on and on and on, and it covers all kinds of points about ways in which the FBI was unbelievably involved in... The Fed surrection—it's just—it's beyond. Beyond. Read the article, please. It's from the Gateway Pundit. You really got to check it out. All right, I—I uh, I meant to lead with this tonight because it is kind of the top story that everybody's talking about. It just happened today, and that is the uh, <clears throat> the shooting in Tennessee. It is, uh, it is frightening. Instead of being given the help that the shooter desperately needed, clearly needed, Audrey Hale, who was the transgendered shooter, killed six people, three children, three adults. Instead, she was affirmed in her belief that she was a boy. We don't know the details of her transition, or at what age it started. But it was fairly clear from the photos that she was on testosterone. This is from a tweet from a group called Gays Against Groomers, a brilliant group who do some great work. They write, it's necessary to have the conversation about what these cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers are doing to young people who are suffering from mental health issues our hearts break for the three children who were senselessly murdered in nashville today as well as the adult victims too david leatherwood i'm so resentful these radical trans terrorists have hijacked the lgb and t community and are now destroying the reputation of gay and lesbian americans who fought so hard for so many years just to get the same rights that non-gay Americans have. And finally were mostly successful and then these radical leftist idiots who have hijacked the LGBT plus uh, LGBT plus T organization for their own sick needs he writes these radicals do not represent us and the majority of LGB plus T Americans reject them entirely and boy truer words were never spoken it is not a gun crisis says Carrie Lake it's a mental health crisis A generation of vulnerable youths being encouraged to experiment on themselves instead of being helped. This is not the time to be banning guns. This is not the time to be fighting against all transgendered people. This is the moment to hug your kids. Say a prayer. Take a moment. Hug your kids. We're going to get back to some reality, folks. We really do. This is costing lives. And it doesn't need to. It's uh, It's got to stop somewhere. Insanity. All right. Speaking of insanity. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, man, CNN managed to step in it big time. Have you heard of digital blackface? You, this happened a couple days ago, so this kind of been around the news already. But uh, <laughs> this is just beyond belief. Digital blackface. What is it? And why is it wrong when white people use it? An article from uh, John Blake at CNN who managed to completely embarrass himself. Remember this lady, Sweet Brown? Kimberly Sweet Brown Wilkins became a mame after there was a news clip of her being interviewed back in 2012, uh, over 10 years ago. Um, She's been all over the Internet ever since. She's turned into almost as big of a mame as the dog mame. Here's the article from CNN. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. <laughs> how stupid this is. Maybe you shared that viral video of Kimberly Sweet Brown Wilkins telling a reporter after narrowly escaping an apartment fire, ain't nobody got time for that. Perhaps you posted the meme of supermodel Tyra Banks exploding in anger on America's next top model. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Or maybe you've simply posted popular GIFs like the one of NBA great Michael Jordan crying. Or drag queen, uh, queen RuPaul declaring, Girl, if you're black and you shared these images online, you get a pass. But if you're white, according to this CNN article, you may have inadvertently perpetrated one of the most insidious forms of contemporary racism. You may be wearing digital blackface, a practice where white people co-opt online expressions of black imagery, slang, catchphrases, or culture to convey relief or express emotions. These expressions, what one commentator calls Racialized reactions are mainstays in Twitter feeds, TikTok videos, Instagram reels, and among the most popular internet, memes. And now they're saying that if you're white, or let's just say if you're not black and you share a meme of a black person, you're wearing digital whiteface. You, who's the idiot, John Blake, are a moron. CNN for publishing this bullshit are idiots. Unbelievable. Read the whole story. I hate to give them the hits. They don't deserve it. But you have just got to see what a deep dive this idiot goes into about this crap. The link's in our show notes if you want. Like I said, I I have a hard time kind of encouraging you to... Uh, go over and give CNN any hits but it's it's kind of worth the head shake <laughs> it's unbelievable alright this is from the new normal Michael's uh, Michael Spencer's Substack. stack oh man this is uh, <laughs> not something I want to read but I'm going to read because you need to know just how much they lied to you There's a link in our show notes. I'm not going to read the whole article. You can read it yourself. A new study from Ionitis. COVID's IFR, that's infection fatality rate, in 2020 was less, less. That means less. That means lower than 0.1% for those under 70. Like, What, almost everyone. And that's even lower than they previously believed. A new study, COVID-19's infection fatality rate, IFR, by age, from a team led by Dr. John Ioannidis, the world's most cited physician. Let me say that again. The world's most cited physician estimates COVID's IFR in the pre-vaccine era was under 0.1% for those under 70. They found across 31 national seroprevalence studies in the pre-vaccine era. That means before the vaccines ever came out. The median, look at this number, the median IFR, 0.0003% at 0 to 19 years. 0.003% at 20 to 29 years, and 0.011% 30 to 39 years. The numbers go on. They're all down there. And they had you locked in your house with that face diaper on your mug, scared to move, wiping off the delivery of food packages that come to your house, keeping social... All for this lies. These lies they told you. These numbers are even less than what they thought. They lied. And you know what's the scariest part? They'll do it again. We are living in interesting times, as the Chinese curse says. Excuse me. Coffee break time. What else we got? Hey, please don't forget, by the way, subscribe, follow. Follow button. It's right over here. Just give it a click. Free for you. Helps the show out a lot. Really do appreciate it. Just take one quick millisecond and just there's a button over here that says follow. Click that follow. Thank you. Really, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Here's another one for you. Biden administration demanding a crackdown on vaccine-skeptical WhatsApp chats. Well, guess what? You can't. <laughs> Sorry, moron. Rotting bag of oatmeal. Everything on WhatsApp is encrypted. Everything. Everything. The Biden administration was was pushing for the censorship on WhatsApp of COVID-related content, according to the communications between the White House and Meta, who owns WhatsApp. Meta owns Facebook, owns WhatsApp. The move was uh, raising concerns about freedom of expression and the ability to communicate privately on digital platforms. Now, unlike Facebook and Instagram, which are also owned by Meta, WhatsApp is entirely encrypted direct messaging. It's used for private conversations between individuals or small groups. The White House has been pressing Meta executives to find ways. They they know it's encrypted. They're even saying, I don't care, find a way to measure reduction of harm on WhatsApp, insisting, they must have a good mouse trap to observe what conversations are shared on the platform whatsapp is telling this idiot it's all encrypted there is nothing kosong zero nothing we can do and they're saying find a way they're they're trying they just keep trying all right I got another substack thing going on here. This is so cool. I get so much crap pushed into this show. <laughs> hey, climate change. The bullcrap of climate change. Everybody says things like, oh, the storms are getting more severe. The hurricanes are more intense. They're more often. The flooding is happening uh, so much more and, and so much uh, crazier stuff. Well, guess what? There's an article in our show notes tonight. You got to read it. As a matter of fact, bookmark it next time you can show it to your climate change freak friends. Just the facts on global hurricanes. More storms? Fewer but more intense? More landfalls? No. No. And no. Just the facts, ma'am. Back in 2012, Jessica Wenke, Ryan Mao, and the writer here published an article in the Journal of Climate, first peer-reviewed paper with a comprehensive data set of global tropical cyclone landfalls. Cyclones are hurricanes. In the Atlantic, they call them hurricanes. In the Pacific, they call them cyclones. Here we call them cyclones in Malaysia. Anyway, in 2019 they shared an update of the data at the request of the World Meteorological Organization Uh, and the assessment was relied heavily on the most recent assessment from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So just within the last week they shared the most recent data and there is the graph. If you're listening on the podcast, check out our video: Global Tropical Cyphone, uh, Cyclone Landfalls from 1970 to 2022. You see this? This is a cat. The black lines are Category One and Two cyclones, hurricanes. No, re- up, down, up, down, up, down. No difference. And for Category 3, 4, and 5, more dangerous storms? Less of them, of course. But take a look at that graph. Almost the same. In fact, we are way down in 2022. So no, they're not more often. They're not more intense. And they don't make landfall more often. There's another chart here. 12-month running sums of global major hurricane frequency. Take a look at that from 1980 to 2022. It's just, it just, there you go. Global tropical cyclone landfalls from 1950 to 2022. A 10 year moving average. There's peaks and valleys, but for the most part, there is no difference. So. Take that and stick that where the sun don't shine in your climate change bullcrap. We're not buying it. It's not a fact. You are lying. You are working up ways to control people, and we're not putting up with it, and we have the data. Share that link with your climate friend, fools. (sighs) There's an article here. I'm just going to mention it. I'm not going to talk about it much. You know, uh, ChatGPT? Very cool. I played with it. It's it's amazing. I asked it to write a, a small script for me, and it did a really good job. Anyway, <clears throat> there's an article because it, some people are kind of wrapping, trying to wrap their heads around, how does ChatGPT work? Well, this article is brilliant because what the writer did was, uh, let me just, I'll just show you the article, but I'm not going to read it. You look at it. It's in our show notes and read it if you're interested. I just make the comment that what he did was he took the simpler original version of ChatGPT and kind of analyzed how it works. But in reading about it and in, in finding that out, if you want to check out the info, it will give you a more clear understanding because now they've advanced. It's even more intricate. It's even more involved. But it will give you an understanding as to ways in which you can Ask chat GPT things and it will give you a more full answer. I found it brilliant. It's really cool. That's why I stuck it in our show notes tonight because I don't want to talk a lot about it. I've talked about chat GPT here for uh, for, for several shows, but uh, it, it is interesting. So if, if you're one of those folks who are all into the chat GPT thing, read that article in our show notes. It's down there. And uh, it'll give you brilliant insights to how, how this whole thing works. All right, a couple of good news stories, then we're going to move on to our book tonight. This happened uh, about a week ago, and I've been saving it because we've, we've been so busy with other stuff going on. <coughs> Excuse me. It took place here in Malaysia, but don't go away. Doesn't matter. This is the best story you're going to hear all week, I'm sure. These heroic Malaysians banded together to save a poor dog stuck on a cliff. Take a look at that. This rescue mission actually didn't need us, but it needed Navy SEALs. (laughs) That is the dog. Let me see if I can get my mouse back. There you go. There's the dog. That is the dog taken from way down on the road where it was stuck on a cliff. How this dog ever got up on this cliff is beyond me. And there are these crazy heroes. There's the dog in the arms of one of these guys who scaled this high cliff to rescue this dog. A couple of days ago, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in Selangor, here in Malaysia, took to their Facebook page to showcase a dog stuck on a cliff in Forest Hill in Damansara, Perdana. The poor little fella could be seen standing on the cliff from all the way across the lake there. Look at that. Got a big green circle around it. Thankfully, it has been rescued by a group of Malaysians who heeded SPCA's call for the dog to be saved. Francis Yerdaki, CT, were among those who risked their own well-being. To bring the dog to safety. He said a few people tagged me and I offered to help and asked who would like to join me in their residential group. Instantly, he had Kevin, Stefan, Chia Lang, Azar, Mr. Gan, who offered themselves, says, I'm honestly grateful. The mission started at eight in the morning and six hours later. They finally managed to get the dog among the thick vegetation. Speaking to World of Buzz, the link to this is in our show notes, by the way. Francis shared on the aspects that made the mission a rather risky one. The jungle has no trails. They had to chop their way in. All of us got cuts everywhere. The rocks were slippery and steep, though thankfully they also had an uncle who was guiding them through the wilderness. There you go. The rescue of the dog split into two parts, from the lake and secondly from the top of the cliff. All of us not only sunburned, but our stamina tested to the max. I was jokingly telling the others this mission actually doesn't need me or my friends, but it needs the Navy SEALs. Water, land, climbing, and hiking. Wow, look at that. Look at these guys going up, coming I assume coming back down now this cliff with that poor dog. Wow! With that, by 4:30 p.m., they had managed to rescue the dog. Next-level efforts. Look at that. There's the uh, there's the group of uh, folks that are. Wow. No major injuries. A few minor cuts. Residents of Forest Hill were thanked for staying with us till the end. There's some video here if you want to check that out. Absolutely amazing let's go back to the dog there he is and you know i'll tell you here in malaysia because we are a a majority muslim country there are some issues with dogs i don't know the race of any of these particular rescuers i can kind of guess from their names but the point being it didn't matter an animal was in trouble these guys got together found a way and went and rescued it took them forever but they did it and wow huge tip of the hat to you guys for that. that is absolutely amazing what a great story you read the whole story it is in our uh, it's in our show notes tonight all right and uh, i i couldn't i couldn't do a dog story without finally getting to share this one have you heard of mr happy face You haven't heard of Mr. Happy Face? Have you heard of Zsa Zsa? Not Gabor. Well, I hope you're sitting down and I hope maybe you haven't eaten yet. These are the ugliest dogs in the world. And man, they are not kidding. (laughs) Look at this thing. Following a two-year break because of the pandemic, The world's ugliest dog competition returned last year. And this guy called Mr. Happy Face is the winner. I would not argue with that even a little bit. Scamp the Tramp came in number two. Oh, look at Scamp. What a sweetheart. Hey, podcast listeners, check out our show over on Rumble. Rumble.com, the Jay Sheldon Show. You gotta see these pictures. Here's jaja I don't know. Zaza looks kind of... Oh man, look at that tongue. Yeez. Martha. Now there is a face you could love. Look at that. That's the number four ugliest dog in the world. Here's another one, Sweepy Rambo. I love the name Rambo. This is great. You need some nail clipping there, girl. Look at this thing. And what's with the hair or lack of it? Unbelievable! This is uh, quasi modo. Uh, yeah, kind of an odd-shaped body on this thing. <laughs> and here's Peanut. Okay, I- I'm not gonna go through all. There's 17 of these the winners in the world's ugliest dog contest. Hiya, Digs. Btw, hello there. <laughs> Good to have you along for the ride. Yeah, we had all kinds of technical crap. I'm not normally on Tuesdays, but I thought, what the hell? We just make up for last night, which we missed. So, yeah, that was the uh, ugliest dog contest. Link is in our show notes if you want to check it out. And, uh, I don't know, share it with your friends or just take a look at some ugly dogs. But uh, they're out there. All right. Uh, It is time. It is time. To move on to our book, I think, let me just be sure, I think we're almost near the end. As you know, Beauty Smith, who is any, just like the ugly dog contest, Beauty Smith is anything but a beauty, but uh, Beauty Smith knew the way of Indians, and he was trying to buy White Fang and White Fang was not for sale. Gray Beaver refused to sell the dog. So we will continue with Jack London's 1906 book, which is called White Fang. Hang on, I forgot to do something. Where's the cover? There it is. <laughs> you know me, if I don't have everything just right, I'll, I'll feel like I missed something. All right, here we go. Beauty Smith knew the way of Indians. He visited Gray Beaver's camp often. Hidden under his coat was always a black bottle or so, one of the potencies of whiskey, is breeding of thirst. Gray Beaver got the thirst. His fevered membranes and burnt stomach began to clamor for more and more of the scorching fluid, while his brain, thrust all awry by the unwontened stimulant, permitted him to go to any length to obtain it. The money he'd received for his furs and mittens, moccasins, began to go. It went faster and faster, and the shorter his money sack grew, the shorter grew his temper. In the end, his money and goods and temper were all gone. Nothing remained to him but his thirst, a prodigious possession in itself that grew more prodigious with every sober breath he drew. And then it was that Beauty Smith began to talk to him again about the sale of White Fang. But this time, the price offered was in bottles, not dollars. The gray Beaver's ears were more eager to hear. You catch him, dog, you take him, all right, was his last word. The bottles were delivered, but after two days, you catch him, dog, were Beauty Smith's words to Gray Beaver. White Fang slunk into camp one evening and dropped down with a sigh of content. The dreaded White God was not there. For days, his manifestations of desire to lay hands on him had been growing more insistent, and during that time, White Fang had been compelled to avoid the camp. He didn't know what the evil was that threatened by those insistent hands. He knew only that they did threaten evil of some sort and that it was best for him to keep out of their reach. But scarcely had he lain down when Gray Beaver staggered over to him, tied a leather thong around his neck, and he sat down beside White Fang, holding the end of the thong in his hand. In the other hand, he held a bottle, which, from time to time, he was inverted above his head to the accompaniment of gurgling noises. An hour of this passed, when the vibrations of feet in contact with the ground foreran the one who approached. White Fang heard it first. It was bristling with recognition, while Gray Beaver still nodded stupidly. White Fang tried to draw the thong softly out of his master's hand, but the relaxed fingers closed tightly, and Gray Beaver roused himself. Beauty Smith strode into camp, stood over White Fang. He snarled softly up at the thing of fear, watching keenly the deportment of the hands. One hand extended outward, began to descend upon his head. His soft snarl grew tense and harsh. The hand continued slowly to descend, while he crouched behind it, eyeing it malignantly, his snarl growing shorter and shorter, as with quickening breath it approached its culmination. Suddenly, he snapped, striking with his fangs like a snake. The hand was jerked back, and the teeth came together emptily with a sharp click. Beauty Smith was frightened, anger. Gray Beaver clouded White Fang alongside the head, so he cowered down close to the earth in respectful obedience. White Fang's suspicious eyes followed every movement. He saw Beauty Smith go away and return with a stout club, then the end of the thong was given over to him and Gray by Gray Beaver. Beauty Smith started to walk away. The thong grew tight. White Fang resisted it. Gray Beaver clouded him right and left to make him get up and follow. He obeyed, but with a rush, hurling himself on the stranger who was dragging him away. Beauty Smith did not jump away. He'd been waiting for this. He swung the club smartly, stopping the rush midway and smashing White Fang down upon the ground. Gray Beaver laughed and nodded approval. Beauty Smith tightened the thong again, and White Fang crawled limply and dizzily to his feet. He did not rush a second time. One smash from the club was sufficient to convince him that The white god knew how to handle it. He was too wise to fight the inevitable. And so he followed morosely at Beauty Smith's heels, his tail between his legs, yet snarling softly under his breath. But Beauty Smith kept a weary eye on him, and the club was always ready to strike. So Beauty Smith... Has got white fang from gray beaver and what will happen next we'll find out as we finish off this chapter on our next stream which will be coming up on tomorrow night yes wow i forgot we did a missed day so now we have another stream tomorrow night cool well look forward to it all right hope you will too join us here again tomorrow night at 10 o'clock malaysian time in the meantime, just please a quick favor. Right over here is a follow button. Just give that a quick hit. It's free. takes no money from you. It's all free to you, and it helps the show out a lot. We really appreciate that. All right, that's it for us. Thanks for this odd Tuesday edition of uh, the Jay Sheldon Show. I will see you again back here right here tomorrow night. This has been the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>